everybody. Welcome to episode three. I am Matt. This is Aaron. Howdy. And this is Anna. Hey. Uh, welcome to this episode. And uh, we are a podcast about the pursuit of positivity through the consumption and appreciation of art, culture, and science. We will have a name shortly. In episode two, we assign some homework, listen to K-Flay, and view some local art. Go ahead, let's discuss. I assigned the homework on the K-Flay, so I would like to get your guys' opinion. I mean, I already enjoyed K-Flay, but didn't know how much, because it's one of those things where it's popular enough to have been listened to and I don't even know who it is so when you're like oh also listen to Blood in the Cut I'm like oh of course I've heard that song that song's fantastic um and I think part of our exploration was about the whole angry lady music yeah I kind of want to take I kind of want to take that back okay tell me more um so I would change that to maybe maybe the right term is you know Artist with a mission. Hmm. Um, the, the the music is. It, it feels like it's delivering a specific message, and each song might be different, but I feel like it's got more to it. So angry might not be right because it's not always an angry message, but it's a message. Fair. At a minimum, that's at least a more gender neutral term. <laughs> <laughs> so that I would say that's a marked improvement. Big strides, big strides. Um, as uh, as our other homework was also to consume artwork. Um, there is such a thing as art for art's sake, mm. but I would say that most art tends to have a message. So, artist with a message. I like what you're doing there. I like the phrase. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> really felt like that was going somewhere. I think, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so what do you think her message is then? I think, no, I don't know. I don't want to go down that path. I'm not sure I can articulate it. I have to give it more thought to kind of spell it out. But it's music that speaks to me. Like I feel like when you listen to it, it evoke it does for me a much better job of evoking an emotion kind of specific to what's going on kind of so it's a it's sounds of the times if you will yeah maybe that's the right word uh right phraseology um but i mean some of it obviously like um the Preston has a sex tape song. I mean, that's obviously like, oh, that's right, right now. That's easy. Um, but everything I think speaks to kind of the times we're in, what's happening, and not in a negative way. Some of it's very positive. Some of it's not. But it's, yeah. That's my non-musician referral of that music. So I, the first song that I had heard by K-Flay was Blood in the Cut. Mm -hmm. And I literally thought this was the best movie trailer song I've ever heard. It fit just a a generic, is it a movie trailer? Yep. This song can play over it and it's probably going to fit. 
it, 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 man, I went, this is a pretty, pretty rocking thing going on here. A lot of the other stuff, uh, my, that's not my favorite song on this album. I would probably say that my favorite song is probably high enough. And then it's just a lot or two, probably my two favorite songs. And the reason for that is a lot of the album to me feels like really early industrial with a lot of the, you know, uh, not, not anthem Rocky boom, boom clap, but just the driving continuous industrial, uh, sound, which she uses quite a bit, which I very much like, but, uh, I think industrial has evolved past it a little bit mm-hmm. and I, I think she's reclaiming it a little bit and using it to good effect totally. But, um, I prefer some of this stuff, some of her other stuff. And then the songs that I don't like nearly as much remind me of early, uh, TLC salt and Peppa, mm. where she does a little bit of rapping and, it makes sense. I get it. I she does a good job. It just doesn't strike me how it just doesn't it just doesn't strike me. I go, I could listen to something else. But she has a handful of songs on this album that I think are just just killer. So what was uh what other ones on that album did you enjoy? Like, was there another one that really jumped out at you? I said... Uh, you gave a couple. Yeah. I think uh, Dreamers, Giver, Blood in the Cut, High Enough, and It's Just a Lot. Yeah. Um, There's a, the Sister song. I'm not sure if Sister is on this album or another one. It, it is not. Uh, that is, I think, a beautiful song just about relationships like about and it's about a about a about a friend that's like a sister but i mean just about really close friendship it's a great song i mean honestly one of the things i'm noticing in just generally the music world with female artists is there's a tendency to break out of being of a like being like we talked about last time being a representative of your gender and more just getting to be an artist and however that looks you get to be who you are as a musician who you are as an artist in any capacity and like I her um, I don't know if it's an album but the whole peaches thing seems to be um, is that like her new new one that's her newest um, single her newest single it's 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 about turning turning your pain into peaches is one of the lines, right? So there's a lot of people in this world who have grown up being, not being able to express themselves and they're suddenly getting platforms just over and over again. And that's kind of kind of powerful. So I don't know how, you know, what her message is so much, but it's it's someone taking up space and and doing so in, in a powerful way. And I just, I think I can appreciate that regardless of whether or not she she professes to have any kind of message. She's, you know, 
at a woman standing on her own and and like look at me look at me go like doesn't doesn't matter what you know anyone else thinks of me I've got I'm gonna do my thing yeah. I, I don't know that, that seems really <clears throat> trite in a lot of ways but I just feel like it's way more possible and common now than it used to be yeah to be able to just like um, Rapino from the women's U.S. women's soccer team like being able to just stand in your space, be of a different community, and no one thinks twice about it. They just appreciate your your work. Yeah. 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 You are you are a, an amazing soccer player. You are an amazing musician. It doesn't have to be about your minor, minority status anymore. Right. That's, she. Uh, so I was just kind of looking through her discography that I had never really done before. Um, she worked with her. It looks like her earliest album was from 2009, called "Single and Famous," and is, it was a. Is that as Kate Flanagan or is that as Kay Flay? Uh, it looks like it says Kay Flay, okay. um, but it was with MC Lars, was who she did it with. Okay, it was MC Lars and Kay Flay, and so then I and so I actually I haven't listened to any of that stuff, so I'm gonna have to listen to that because it looks like all of it is her and him together. And I'm going to be interested. It's going to be interesting to see. I like to see how someone's music and someone's art changes over time. Sure. So I'd love to compare that, you know, Peaches being her newest single and compare that to some of the stuff from when she was with doing work with MC Lars and, and maybe they still are doing stuff together. But that album from 2009, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying as, you know, a person in their mid 30s, like being able to look back at artists in the past and have having watched them grow over time and you know some artists they just sort of disappear after their sophomore album like they just don't have anything else left in them or they move on with their careers they do something else then there's some people who just like evolve over time and explore new and amazing things like we talked about the national Mm -hmm. they have like nine albums out i think something like that quite a bit yeah but like beck is a perfect example of that for me recreates himself regardless of his you know beliefs the the fact that he has a totally new basically genre of music mm-hmm. for each album that he explores is fascinating yeah like there, there's people that have, have branch out and do do amazing things and you know she, she might be that kind of artist over time and you know and I think too like one of the things about the world we live in as creative people now is that you can connect with so many different people and you don't have to stagnate because you're not you're not stuck geographically like you used to be. Right. Like there's still a component to that, but you know, you can reach out and collaborate with whomever. Totally. There's a an album I love um that's a collaboration. Um I'm gonna forget forget it at the moment, so I'll have to look it up in a minute. But the two artists pretty much and, and this I've I've heard of this over and over again now. They'll just send themselves, send each other tracks, share and develop, and they don't even—they're not even in the same state. They're across the country from each other, or in, so or the, in different countries. What, what is that called in art? It's called a magnificent corpse, I think, is what it's something is that like that. The term? That. I, I think so. I've never heard that. But I, keep going. I'll look it up. So, they, so like do, when they when they collaborate on the on the piece, are they? Do you know if it's kind of like like old school playing chess by mail, where you get a piece, you work on it do your thing, send it back, and then they do their thing? Or are they both kind of playing, like, on the phone, on, you know, social media, playing with it simultaneously? It it depends, right? So, you know, I've listened to um, interviews with members of Garbage, and 
you know, the lead singer will lay down her entire lyric track, right, and then share it with the rest of the band, and then they they lay down each each piece, and then you know whoever's the mastermind is the one who's going to put it together, master it, produce it, and and there's a lot of collaboration back and forth. Like, oh, can you work on this? Send this back, and that's. I mean, just imagine you could live wherever you find to be your best place, where you can be your best self, and then you know someone else is completely across the ocean from you doing the same thing. Like, I, I just think it's amazing. It is exquisite corpse, not exquisite magnificent corpse. corpse. So I've heard this term exquisite before. Exquisite corpse, also known as ex- exquisite cadaver, is a method by which a collection of works or images is collectively assembled. Each collaborator adds to a composition in sequence, either by following a rule or by being allowed to see only the end of what the previous person contributed. Nice. So I think it's, a, it's an art mechanism for collaboration that's structured. And if you look at look at uh, examples of images on the internet, like you get these really bizarre things where obviously the creators weren't really looking at the pieces they were connecting. And Correct. You get, I get it. You get exquisite corpses because you get really weird things. And it happens uh, often in video format mm-hmm. where there will be an end frame and you film from that frame to... <coughs> To the next scene or animation. I'm sorry, not necessarily. <coughs> sorry, coronavirus. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not as well. I I groaned with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. But yeah, no, I I just find it super exciting because that then it means that artists that are really amazing have way more opportunities to grow. Right. Whereas I feel like there's, you know, the one hit wonder is a lot less of a, of a phenomenon. Now you've heard someone, you could probably go online and follow an internet rabbit hole to tons of collaborations that they've done. Or they move from being a performer to a producer, or they Mm -hmm. move into a different role and there's lots of opportunities for, uh, artists to express themselves in different uh, venues, mm-hmm. different different avenues and mechanisms for for doing so. Yeah, they um, you know go from being a, a guitarist to a director because you started doing the band's music videos and moved straight into that and that worked well. So then you start doing other band music videos and isn't that uh, maybe in Alex Cunningham's role? Don't don't fact check me on that. That's okay. probably incorrect. <laughs> I won't. Fair enough. Sure. Yes. You're you're very smart. No. No. I'm you know not. things. I know. I don't know that thing, so I shouldn't have said it out loud. I think that's actually wrong. Uh, but there are there are opportunities for artists to express themselves in in more ways than that's the end of my thought. Yeah. Uh, no. Just it was a, a dangling participle. So was there anything else kind of interesting or, or I don't know, epiphanous? Is that a word? I hope so. Uh, it is now. That's, <laughs> like that's a good name for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that we found when we listened to K-Flay? Nothing else from me. I, uh, I do feel like potentially she could have been bigger when mm. the album came out, which was in 2017, if Billie Eilish had not occupied what I feel is a similar space. When did Billie Eilish hit? Because I mean, 
I feel like she's more recent than 2017. Yeah, I mean, albums take some time to reach critical mass mm-hmm. often. So, I and I don't know enough about the music awards, whatnot. Does is an album only of only eligible to win a Grammy in the year it is produced and released, or or is it at any time? I don't know. Okay, because I I feel like Billie Eilish just recently got all this accolades, but I honestly don't know. Well, she has been doing one of the things that I've enjoyed is uh, I believe it's Vogue has been doing a yearly check in with her where they ask her the same questions. So they re interview her every year. And since she is so preposterously young, they interviewed her when she was very, very young, I think 14 or something like that. Jeez. And then each year after that, and she watches her previous answer and then answers it again. And oh it's a gosh. very, very interesting series of interviews. Wow. If you, I think it's Vogue. It might have been The Atlantic or something like that. That's fascinating. I, I, am, I am really a big fan of hers because she is... Um, so there's a, a, you know, a thing around young women musicians where they get kind of forced into this kind of hyper-sexualized role kind of thing. And she actively said, no, I will not do that. And she, and I think that's awesome. Yes. And her parents not exploiting her for that. Absolutely. Is good, good for them. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't like be good, monsters. Good parenting. Like, well done. We appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, her, I, I didn't, her, oh, go, go ahead. No. I was just great. I didn't realize how young she was, so I just looked it up. She's, she's 17 now, isn't she? She's 18. She's 18 years old. Right. Which made the internet disgusting for a while, where oh. everyone was like, oh, she's going to turn 18. You're like, stop it. Oh. Stop it, all of you. Gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. They, I, they did the same thing to the Olsen twins, and to, I mean, that's just. It's just foul. I, yes. It. it I definitely had a different perspective working with high school students where like some of my high school students are 21, right? So that's crazy to me. They are still children because they They are, are. they are the kids that I work with and yes, technically they are legally adults, but they require so much care and support that I do not look at someone of that age group as being an adult anymore. And that's probably unfair to someone like Billie Eilish, who obviously is very much in control of her life. The brain ain't done cooking for Be- many years. People also develop at like wildly different paces. They do. They really well. do. I I was basically an old man when I was in my <laughs> teens. I'm, I've always been an old like idiot. But well, that, that's actually one of the reasons why I find the I currently I, know people who are in their early 30s who are basically children. I, that is a really good point. And so do I. They're uh, supremely ill-equipped to handle the trials and tribulations of real life. Yeah. And not by their own choice. That's just... Just the cards they were dealt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the reasons why that when you mentioned that interview, I find that so fascinating because I remember as a kid, like, I'm going to write a diary or a journal because why not? I've got thoughts. 
And then I would reread those things and go, what was this crazy person thinking and doing? So I can't imagine being put in her position and being like, I'm going to review the thoughts that I had. When I was 45, I decided to do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost as if it's some sort of like troubling thing inside of us that we need to document our own existence and then (laughs) review it at a later date. Right. Well, I've, you know, I've mentioned a lot of times one of my favorite things that I learned about in, uh, in my history classes in college was this guy who took a, wrote a journal and every day he recorded when he rogered his wife and like, like just documentation. I rogered my wife and then I took a walk and I went around the plantation and I checked out things we're doing and I ate eggs for breakfast. Like it was just like a documentation to record the things that he was doing. Like very. So it could have been on a spreadsheet. Yes, it could have been on a spreadsheet of like on this day, on this day, on this day. A weird shared Google Docs like <laughs> yeah. doc that he just like sends out the link to like for all holidays. Of his friends know. It's like there's like the new Christmas card is just your your journal in a in a shared Google Doc. I, oh, what only, a weird thing! I've only gotten one Christmas letter in my life that was like the the recap of everything a family did for that entire year. I got one. Oh, I like, get those all the time. Like two years ago, for the first time, and it was like. Five pages, and I was, and quite honestly, you didn't read it. I didn't read it, and I don't remember who <laughs> sent it to me. So if you're listening, I'm sorry because I only gotten one, so it was yours. Um, <laughs> at least it wasn't handwritten. Oh, oh. no, no, it, that's no, no, it was tight. Much more guilt <laughs> yeah. involved in no, not reading unless that. it was handwritten and then photocopied. So is your family from the Midwest? No. Okay. No. You said no, like you're offended. It's not derision. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, West. I mean, actually, maybe I don't know. My my mother's family is from Montana. Um, that's North Midwest. That. Yeah, um, it's practically Canada. my father's side of the family is from um, New York. We, so we, yeah, okay. not, like the two together, you kind of get along. You kind of merge them. Yeah, that's kind of Midwesty. Yours aren't from Midwest, are they? Uh, both my parents are from Montana. Oh. Yeah. Midwestern people are who I see do the year-end Christmas holiday recap the most. So yeah, that's just what I've noticed. Well, that make, I could see that. I mean, I didn't live in Minnesota for five years, and it was the worst nine winters of my life. But they uh, definitely, that is something you see there. It's likely my applied gross generalization assumption of them doing that, but I mean, not everyone. I mean, people in the Midwest are wonderful, but yeah, that, that I, would, I was just curious where you're going with that. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, just, I, felt, yeah. I felt like we were suddenly being anti Midwest. I needed to throw something in there. Like, no, you're not all bad, but that just sounded weird. So not all men. Yeah. Not, no, most men are douches. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually that'd be really interesting to do some kind of like data gathering where it's like, which demographic sends letters about their entire year to all of their family? Who are these people? <laughs> it's so it's interesting though that you mention it. Like about I don't know a thirteenth, no two thirteenths of uh, my mother's family sends those. Two thirteenths. She has. A, she How has many a lot people of, are there? Oh, there's a. It's a specific it's ratio. It's a specific okay. number of no, family members. <laughs> I just could not like grok the, the math there. I was just like. 
What an oddly specific fraction. Like that is... 426? There, there are 13 no. brothers and sisters. Yes, uh, Two makes... of them said those letters. Totally. Yeah. Totally that makes, makes sense. sense. Do, you have, do you have an example of one of those that we can see? No. No. Don't do that. We're not going to read don't, it on the air. I just, don't no. do that. Okay. They're, they're, they're actually very nice. And, yeah. and, and my, my aunts who send them have actually become quite good at being concise and sharing quite nice things, honestly. It's, and, it's and kind of lovely. I think in the I think in the olden days when we didn't communicate as much with family members, mm-hmm. and it was once olden you, days. You olden days before Div- everyone knew followed everybody on the Facebook. And on you the follow Instagram. your family on Facebook? I do. That's how I got onto Facebook. My mother was on Facebook. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Bold choices all around. My, my, <laughs> my father posts the most political stuff on Facebook of anyone I know. Huh. I, I follow my and my father also there. My folks are currently in Singapore and every day he posts a picture of my mother with a alcoholic beverage in her hand <laughs> wherever they are on vacation. So that is and so that is a regular thing. Is he building a case? Like what is <laughs> happening here? I feel like, no, it's like proof of life and enjoyment. Right. I mean, it's how much <laughs> fun having they're having, nice time. how much fun they're having walking along the quay in Singapore gotcha. or whatever. And but this is what he does. And it's his way of, you know, showing how much he loves my mom, and it's it's beautiful and it's cute, and Aww. so we. I don't need an annual letter from my parents because you watched it in real time, right? Because right, because I I am I am stalking them on the interwebs. You're not supposed to claw that cat. She's just stretching. Maybe Instagram. My father well, doesn't use Instagram. Huh? My dad's on Instagram. He's not on Facebook though because he hates Facebook. Hmm. Facebook owns Instagram. I know. Does he call it the gram? No. I don't know, actually. But mostly he posts pictures of, like, animals and, you know, the beautiful place where he lives because the mountains are gorgeous. Mm. So I only post on Instagram when I remember that I have an Instagram. So I'll go weeks or months without putting anything on Instagram. I'm like, oh, yes, I have this thing, and I'll post it. I went went years for not... Uh, posting on Instagram and then I went to Disney World and I tried posting everything I was eating at Disney World and I got locked out of my Instagram account because it was suspicious activity so I think that's amazing you're having too much of a good time this can't be right (laughs) where have you been all this time speaking of which I never finished that I only got like a couple of days in I kept taking photos I just couldn't (laughs) post them on Instagram (laughs) should have put them on the Facebook yeah. yeah, I post a. Bo- it, it, they're connected. Yeah, I post yeah. on Instagram and then it automatically. automatically goes, yeah, yeah. And then people go. It's weird because then when someone who follows me on Facebook, like, doesn't follow me on Instagram, and then I have a conversation with them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I saw that on Facebook," and I'm like, "Creepy. Like, you didn't say anything. You didn't even like like it or dislike it or double tap it and give it the love thing on Instagram or you're whatever." Just yeah, watching. So I have a weird relationship with the mail. In that, uh, <laughs> we were talking about letters, the year-end wrap-up letters that people send you. Yep, yep I follow the I have train. train of thought. And uh, I don't like getting mail. It Who makes does? me feel weird. It makes me feel like, obli- it makes me feel like what I presume women feel like when a guy is trying to get past them and they put their hands on their hips and move them out of the way. That weird feeling of just like, That's that was- That's an incredibly invasive feeling. Yeah, this is too personal- how do you know where I live? <laughs> Who gave you this address? Why Why is this the form of communication you've chosen to communicate with me? Usually, what is happening now? Usually I get those, like, I would say 90% of the mail I get that isn't a bill for something is 
someone wanting me to refinance my house or lower credit card debt I don't have or something like that. I'm not talking about junk mail or, you know, how, how mail has changed where it used to be. All sorts of print on it meant it was junk. Now, nothing on it means you have to decide whether it's junk or a real thing. Yes. That's how mail has evolved. I'm talking about a letter with handwriting with my address written in someone else's handwriting. So my name in someone else's handwriting gives me just an aggressive amount of anxiety. Do you have a stalker? Why are you getting handwritten letters? Eh, you know, you, you refer somebody to a something and they I, go, I send handwritten letters and I, I, I send people like thank you cards yeah. that are, that the envelope is handwritten. Is that not a sales strategy? Sure, but I send them. But so Matt has gotten this from me at his house. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a thank you card or a letter card or a birthday card. So, so every time you send Matt a letter, you are touching him, him inappropriately. Right. Which now I feel like <laughs> I need, I need, to, no, I need to up the uh, I need to up the amount of mail I send to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if it's a name I recognize, it's <laughs> right. it's obvious Matt, to me. I'm like, putting you on my extreme postage list. All right. Perfect. Thanks. That's a thing you're, you have. It's your postage. <laughs> <laughs> No, I hate paying. I can ignore more. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, I I still have questions. Like, who is the demographic of human beings that are sending you these things? Um, well, Aaron, and the so I have it. The tenants, the tenants at one of my houses, gave me a handwritten letter that said something, something. Please deliver this to Matthew Sutton. Well, I just say that right into the microphone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Please deliver this to my name. And then um, it, when people are trying to get a hold of me, I have concerns. Like mm. why are, I have taken care of all of my business. Why is someone trying to get a hold of me if they're not trying to sell me something? Because you can tell when somebody's trying to t- sell you something. Right. Um, it's that poorly printed font that looks like handwriting but isn't oh, oh yes you're just like oh well that i don't even need to look yeah, at it because there's no yeah. no one has sent me anything that's ever been relevant in that font um <laughs> wingdings yeah <laughs> but uh a handwritten like not white letter non-seasonally well, yeah. well there's always a season but you get what i'm saying right. it's not it's just like peak holiday this is uh this is concerning I need to open this right away to find out what has happened that I now have to deal with. Is it like frequently just like, thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah. It's, it's mostly like you did. Thanks. Thanks a bunch, dude, for the things that you did. People thanking you is just like causing you major anxiety. Oh, that's troubles. (laughs) So many troubles. Well, I'm just making sounds into a microphone at this point, but, uh, I get, the scan of my mail before I get it. So I don't even get to see it when it's physical. Yeah. So my mail gets scanned. So I get an email in the morning of the mail. that's about to arrive that day. So I have hours of anticipation to agonize over. And sometimes they scan it well enough that you can see a little bit into the envelope. And I'm like, what is that? Is this a service from the post office? It is. So why do you do this? What is because this it called? sounds like it just causes it you pain is, and anxiety. Well, <laughs> because I hate amazing. going through the mail. and uh, I want this. Yeah, do it. It's sign up. You can, you can go talk to the, them at the post office and say, I would like the whatever the service is that scans it and sends me an email. And oh 
God, that's, that's your life hack right there. What does what, what this solve for you? Not, I mean. Well, it's it solved a problem when I was transitioning mail from one house to the other. Sure. And then I just didn't cancel it. And now it is a source of perpetual anxiety. Is it a monthly subscription cost thing? No, it's free. It's just a thing. You go to the post office and say, hey, give me, give me this. Uh, I also know my postman. We are friends. I know Before our he was a postman. Well. Do I know? Do I know your postman? Absolutely. Oh, okay, I know, oh. I know who your postman is. Begins with A. Yeah, I know your postman. We all knew my postman long before he was my postman. Yes. Long <laughs> before <laughs> I lived in that area. I didn't realize he did that area. Surprised he's not my postman for work. Wow! I now I'm like totally distracted because I'm like must research. What else does the post office do for me? And I don't want any of those. <laughs> what I have is fine. <laughs> isn't USPS.gov the the I, the website for the post office? Because it says USPS.com. Oh, because I don't know why they don't have a .gov. Ah, look at that! This is very exciting. This so, is a rabbit hole I will go down to. This is not compelling No, this is not, not compelling content. So, so, someone out there is like, yes, get my mail. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, discussing what we were discussing and the anxiety that handwritten letters cause Matt. I really, like, we'll have to listen to this again because I have no idea how we got here. <laughs> this, is a, this is a wandering tangent. It's fantastic. So... Uh, I feel like we, we, we've gone the K-Flay route. Do you want to talk about our experience uh, at First Friday? Sure. Okay. So we started First Friday at Space Gallery in Denver. Uh, holy shit. What an amazing, amazing building. The Great art was space. good, too. Are you laughing because Aaron didn't even notice he did that? What did I do? Yeah. What did I do? <laughs> so he said it was a great building. Uh-huh. You said it was a great space. It oh, was the space gallery. gallery. Oh. It was funny. I thought that you did that on purpose. Nope. Okay. Nope. Amazing. <clears throat> no, I'm not that creative. So yeah, we started off at the space gallery. Uh, unfortunately, I was thrown off because the very first artist statement that I read had a typo in it mm. and eh, you know it's one sheet of paper proofread it is sort of my take on that as someone who's never made a mistake before <laughs> I can say that, no I'm joking um, it, it was it did throw me for a little bit of a loop though it shouldn't have it's fine there's nothing actually wrong with it and the art was great yeah since I spit out so many documents like in any given time period, I've just come to accept typos as a way of life. Fair like, enough. Yes, you caught that. Well done. I was testing you. Whatever. You passed. Well done. <laughs> but yeah, no, the Space Gallery is just like, and we should have links in our description to their site or something, because sure. that, that building is hands down one of my favorite places to go on the first Friday Art Walk, art walk regardless of what art they have on display. It's just an enjoyable place to be in. Absolutely. Like, I don't know what it is. If it's just, I mean, it's so aptly named you walk in there and you know, there's other galleries you walk into where it's like, if I move, I'm going to touch something expensive. It's going to fall off the wall and break. And that place is just like, ah, much more like a museum. It gives you the, 
the opportunity to consume mm-hmm. at a at a distance mm-hmm. that most other art galleries don't absolutely afford you. Yep. And architecturally, oh, it's a delight. Yeah. Every element of it, from the handrails to the polished concrete floor to the back, the outside area to the pergola to the all of it. Stairs. This, yeah. The stairs are beautifully done. Those are yep. probably my favorite. And the the window shapes placement, it's just a just a delightful delightful gallery. Yeah. So if you if you're in the Denver area or if you you know live in Denver, absolutely check it out. It's worth worth a visit. Even if you know even if they had put up like you know sixth grade kid art in there, you'd still have a nice time. So yeah, we started in the space. Um, they always have a good mixture of you know, print art, painted art, and then also sculptural elements, which I also really love. And because they have such a great area for it, they can fit some really differently sized and shaped 3D art in there that I think a lot of the other galleries don't have the ability to do. Yeah. So that's always an incredible experience. Yeah, they have what I believe to be an 11 panel roll up garage door. Mm hmm. It was enormous. It was huge. It's gigantic. You could put, you could bring a sailboat in through it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think Matt, your goal, you said once you saw the door, <clears throat> was to create a piece of art large enough that it wouldn't fit through the door. That's that's what I said. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was wonderful. That was great. So, if you're ever in Denver, absolutely. If you if you like art and like architecture and you like spaces, haha, go to Space Gallery on Santa Fe. Uh, just check it out. Roughly fourth in Santa Fe. Yep, four hundred Santa Fe. Yeah, so that's that's always a great experience. And then like all the other galleries that you visit, so they they changed the name of the next one up, and I've forgotten it. It was called Urban Mud. Urban Mud. Yes. Yeah, it used to be Rule, and now it's Urban Mud. And that one was it had a, a, a different feel. Yeah, than it usually does. There was more earthy wooden sculptures mm-hmm. in the front. Uh, there were. Quite a few different uh, prints, lithographies, and mm-hmm. and just uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Anyway, uh, lino linotypes. That sounds right. Sure. Nope, that's wrong. We'll come back to this. Yep. Sorry about that. Uh, block printing was one of them mm-hmm. that was up at the front, and then there was some pottery. There was some tools. The mud gallery far and away had my favorite uh, series of titles. Oh, I did not note the titles. Yes. There was one particular artist named Lydia Orr. And all of her, she did uh, ceramic work. And they were different vessels of various usability. Uh, But all fairly, they looked like this, and I'm showing them pictures. But they were a little... Uh, distressed, I would say, mm. and non-functional-ish pieces. And the names were all exceedingly vulgar outside of the bounds of the piece itself. And so the particular piece that I liked the best, based on the title, was called A Fuck From Time to Time, and it has a bunch <laughs> of little hearts on it. Aw, that is that is 
charming. Uh, so, shout out to dresses. Lydia Orr and her vulgar ceramics. <laughs> that was that was the highlight of that gallery for me. We then moved over to Boxcar Gallery. That was the next one. And there had the artwork of Thomas Robertson, where the acrylic pieces hanging on the wall. That was great stuff. So, turns out Thomas and I went to art school together. (laughs) College. Not not art school. That was college. But, uh, yeah, got to catch up with him. His uh, acrylics were very neat. And uh, that was a... A very delightful experience in a in a very fun gallery. Yeah, I mean, it that it kind of goes to that whole Denver feels like a small town sometimes because you go to these events and you run into like-minded people doing like things. Yes, yes. There were some very fun dog photographs in one of the back studios there that were framed in very elegant frames, which I found very amusing. I do not recall the the dog prints. What were, what was the? They weren't prints. They were photographs. Photographs. Um, they were just cute dogs with ornate frames. They weren't stylized or anything else. They were just cute dogs. Dog photography. They were about uh, five by nine okay. kind of size. Well, that's honestly that's one of my favorite things about doing the first Friday art walk is that. There's there's a place like space where everything's very curated and it feels very clean and then you go into a place like that that was boxcar yeah where generally speaking it's it's also very well displayed but there's also sort of nooks and crannies where you can find like teeny tiny little art that's also fantastic like I remember one first Friday I happened upon it I wanted to buy this piece so badly like just a whole collection of teeny tiny little illustrations and like a lot of them were donuts and they were like just beautiful perfect <laughs> little donuts and then also the most perfect illustration of the log lady I have ever seen from Twin Peaks and I wanted it so badly but they were rude to me so I didn't buy it well that'll I don't know if it was just like they were busy and didn't want to talk to me or what it was but it was just like yeah I was brushed off so I didn't get to buy it well that's unfortunate yeah but it was still like it's still in my brain as an enjoyable experience because I got to discover this like tucked away tiny little piece. So after Boxcar, where did we end up? We en- we went to the Art Collective. Ah, that was the next one. There were some difficulties with that one. I always really enjoyed the Art Collective. The Art Collective is got lots of it's. Like the name sounds, many, many different artists, and they have a small amount of space, and it's on two floors, half of it being underground, very caverny. Um, and there's always something interesting there. There's usually, usually on the first Fridays, there's some kind of a musical performance going on that sometimes is good and sometimes is not. And there's a lot of art in there, and some of it is really good, and some of it is r- really not. But it's, it's something for everybody, which is what I like about it, I guess. Sure. Um, my son has a big affinity for everything Supreme. Um, when he graduated high school, he decorated his cap for his cap and gown with Supreme stickers. 
Um, it's just something he's very into. Um, and I, there happened to be one of the artists there had done a whole lot of pictures of dogs with supreme things like supreme hats and supreme shoes and supreme stickers. So I was able to pick up for, for my son a very fun piece for his room that was a dog with a supreme thing that I thought was cute and fun and I thought he would get a kick out of. I thought it was entertaining. And it's it's Denver Art Society, right? Is their actual title? Yes, I think okay. you're correct. Okay. Um, but I know you said you had it, that there was some difficulty there. Yeah. Uh, got uh, there was a very drunk fella who really wanted to be hugging me and have his photograph taken with me, and his the person he was with was not doing it. I was very tolerant of the situation and trying to not have difficulties. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very hard to be polite, to have a polite extrication from someone who is very inebriated. That yeah. is very difficult. So there was a, there was a that for me and that caused us to get separated from you guys. And, um, so I think they, they appeared to have recognized me and I'm using air quotes. Like you're, you're famous, like, yes. And so they insisted on a photograph and there was, it was weird. It was just weird. So, uh, dealt with that and then tried to catch up with you guys and ended up downstairs. And I, I have to say I had a bit of a frustrated meltdown outside where I mm. was, I said not nice things, but I didn't cause a scene inside. <laughs> and so I, I count that as a little victory, but, uh, yeah, I did not, uh, articulate or I didn't have the, I didn't give agency to the good thoughts and instead, uh, gave credence to, frustrated mm -hmm. thoughts in that particular setting. And so I said frustrated things is the, is the way I would phrase well, that. To, to your credit, the, like until you mentioned something, I don't, I didn't notice that I you was had unaware, a rough time. Oh. I was also unaware that there was any problem or oh. difficulty there. Yeah. Well then good. My plan worked. Yeah. My, 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 my impression was that perhaps you didn't enjoy the art very much. That was really what I walked away. Like Matt does not like this place. All right. Well, a great point was made when I expressed my the things I didn't enjoy about some of the art that I saw there, um, which isn't helpful or a good critique. It's mm. just a, ugh, I don't like that. Um, not, not necessarily helpful for anyone involved, but uh, a good point was made that artists have different phases mm -hmm. and the artists get can get better yep. as they practice mm -hmm. and everybody needs to practice and everybody gets better by doing the thing. And so to dismiss the attempt is, is somewhat quashing of the, of the goal. Mm -hmm. And so that's not my intent and that's not what I would like to encourage. So I think people should, try more 
and yes. fail more and fail better and fail better. Fail well, up. Fa- well, <laughs> fail and then learn right. and yeah. iterate yes. and, 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 and keep and, doing that. And don't let a frustrated person like me have a frustrated moment and I didn't say anything to anybody. I just right, I right. went outside and went, blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> went and got tacos. And then it was all better. So that hangry didn't help. Yeah. No. But uh yeah, I I realized I was less than constructive in my approach to that and I adjusted that from well, there. So And I, I I do think that that's That's my growth. Yeah, that's, I think that's my a iteration. Super constructive thing to think about and talk about because you walk into certain galleries and you go, wow, this is like a really professionally curated art piece, you know, retrospective or um, themed section of the, of the gallery. And then you walk into a place like the art society and it's just like explosion of imagery and input and different levels of artwork. And I mean, I, I don't know how many of you had the experience of turning the corner, corner and seeing the Obama piece. Uh, yep. And how surprising that was. But part of the reason it was so surprising was because there was just so much visual input in there. Yeah. Um, and that, that alone can be super overwhelming. But that a place like that can exist where people can grow and experience like, you know, I'm putting myself out there no matter where I am in my process. And that I, I respect that because... I have never shown anything of my own. It, the fact that you can see any of my work in my house is like only friends come to my house. So that's a lot safer than me like putting it out in the public sphere. Sure. So I absolutely respect anyone who has the cojones to actually make it public. No, I'm always, very, I very much enjoy and appreciate people putting out their art, even if it's not art I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I appreciate people putting it out into the ether because <clears throat> it's not something I'm comfortable doing. I've always wanted to. Never happened. It's also the main way you get your feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you don't want feedback from a... a Complete stranger. A, uh, never mind. If you If you don't want feedback from something that isn't your own curated echo chamber mm-hmm. of friends who are, will say, Oh, it's great. What, if you want actual feedback and want to be actually better as an artist, get real feedback from real people. Not, I didn't say artists, the real consumers, because if you're going to make art, you have to make for the audience. And th- that's what you perform for. If you're on stage, you perform for the audience. You don't perform for the other artists. If you're on, uh, if you're making art, you make for the consumer. Mm-hmm. At least that's my. That. I mean, I, I would say, guess I would say by and large that's true. But there are definitely times and places where you want you want to not only perform for and provide for other artists, but you also want a specific piece of feedback from someone who is an expert in that field. Totally, totally. Yes. I I agree with that. And you know, if you were saying make movies for everybody, not artists, then you'd all get Fast and the Furious 8. And that's what it would be. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't get, you know, 1917. There are different things or or uh, what is the Right, it shouldn't just it, it shouldn't be just to but, it, art shouldn't be just to garner the biggest paycheck. It should be 
something well, else. I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, I, but not always. I, I don't want to. Unfortunately, I've been the one who's led us down this path, but I don't want to be the arbiter of what art should or shouldn't be. Um, and for I, who? And I, I now, <laughs> and now I'm picturing uh, the J. Everett Pritchard from Dead Poets Society, and you draw a line, and uh, and then the lines, and remember that scene in Dead Poets Society when he's talking about how to tell a good poem from a bad poem, and they're reading in their po- the first day of their poetry class, and he's talking about you know they're drawing this scale on the chalkboard. And to tell rhyme and meter and whatever. And then um, Robin Williams' character kind of stops him, makes everyone tear that chapter out of their book. And, you know, and Dr. J. Everett Pritchard, I think that was his name. He's, they're cursing his name. That's what that was like. Ah, sorry. Rabbit. Well, I think there's. there's no, that's, I, I did not remember that scene clearly. That was that was a good retelling. There's plenty of space for like a Jeff Koons to just sell just millions and millions of dollars worth of of sculpture, and not Jeff Koons, other people to do different things. <laughs> what, a, what an inelegant way of. I had a whole thought there, and I just other artists just, that do things. It just came out totally the, but. Uh, I've done gallery showings. I've I've had gallery shows, and uh, that's how you get your feedback. That's how you that's how you get whatever you're looking for outside of your comfort zone is mm-hmm. where you get what you need. If you want people to tell you that it looks good, show your mom like that. She'll. Maybe not your mom, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) Ask your friends. Your friends will probably be nice unless they're friends like ours, which will be brutally honest, but you get what I'm saying. If you, if you seek the advice of your friends, you'll get friendly advice. If you seek the advice of your peers, you'll get peer advice. If you seek the friend, the, the advice of experts, you'll get expert advice. And those are all different things. And People need those in different stages at different times for different reasons. Um, so that's what I would uh, say about all of that. Yeah. I absolutely do not want to be the arbiter of what other people should be doing. I've needed all of those things at various stages. So Yeah, that's that's often why I walk into a gallery and I'm like, even if I if I really don't like a piece, I'm just going to keep my mouth very shut because I don't really want to be the person going, yeah, that's garbage because it might be for me that that, that that's my perception, but some other people are going to go, I'm going to buy that thing. Right. I always try to, I always try to appreciate a piece of art, try to find a way to appreciate it for what the artist was trying to accomplish. Mm. And you can't always, sometimes you're like, nope, that doesn't work for me. You just have to walk away. But not all art is for everyone. Sure. Absolutely. That's, that's an absolute certainty is not all art is for everyone. For me, execution is everything. Mm. And so if your intent was to make a, and you didn't, but made something else, that other thing can be neat, but it wasn't your vision. Mm. And so I find the discrepancy there. And so I find it, often disingenuous when somebody takes their plan C of just what came out of what they were trying to do, which can be neat all on its own. If right. you're, if your Happy goal is to say, mistakes. yeah, if your goal is to say, I'm going to do a thing 
And I think what's going to, what's going to come out is going to be pretty. That's a totally different thing than I'm going to draw a picture of a dog and you draw a picture of a ceiling fan. Like they're different things. And however close being a measure in between there, if you then turn around and say, no, I always meant to make a ceiling fan all along. Eh, Why does it bark? Well, (laughs) there's, there's lots of, um, (laughs) that my mental imagery is very delightful. (laughs) It's just a, <laughs> so I think I, I think of art a lot along the lines of being the business of creativity. Yeah, that's fair. And so when you're making a thing, there's there's a difference between commercial art and uh, there, there are different types of art. Mm-hmm. There's sure. industrial art. There's product design. There is all sorts of different types of art and to treat them the same across the board is unfair to each aspect. Absolutely. Each different area. So yeah. anyway, so after that, I saw some really neat stencils by, oh no, photo app by Sharon Perry. Where was this? This was still at the art collective. Okay. Uh, it was in the top of the stairwell. There were some neat stencils. And yes. I really liked the soapstone sculpture, sculptures that the guy was doing up by the stage. Yes. I thought those were very fun. Yeah. Um, he was a very fun character. I talked to him for just a second. He was like, they're better if you touch them. I was like, <laughs> yes, they are. He's like, you want to touch them? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> but it's, a, it's creepy when someone says it's better when you touch them. But it was a good, uh, that was a good thing. In the basement, there was... A, an industrial design uh, artist right at the bottom of the stairs mm-hmm. who was, I'm going to butcher this, Ilya Narizini, I-L-Y-A-N-A-R-I-Z-H-N-Y-Y, I believe is his name, their name. And so they had a lot of, they had a, a good little, uh, set up there of 3D printed industrial design stuff that I thought was pretty neat. That whole lamp that they had mm-hmm. set up yeah. Was, yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. And, and part of the delight for me was like, I just don't remember seeing a whole lot of actual design work on any of my trips to First Friday. Like that that felt like a pretty new thing for me. Granted, I, I haven't gone in, in a fair amount of time, but that was... Kind of this island of of complete organization and and clean line design lines among this chaotic environment. Oh, it was it, delightful. It was certainly the order and the chaos. Yeah, it was. Yeah, as you said, clean lines, well type design. Yep, just put together in a very clean package, tidily, <laughs> and uh, Every, surrounded everything by where it needed to be. Yes, yes. Uh, the next artist that I saw that I really liked their work is uh, Mark Rizius or Rizius. I don't, I don't quite know, but it is M-A-R-K-R-I-S-I-U-S and he's got a dot com. Hmm. And so I don't know what that website is, but the artwork that I saw was immense. It was huge in scale and it was pretty uh, large, bright, colorful, um, abstract 
that were very, very textural and they were very, they had lots of feeling in them. And then there were some pieces that he had that he, that they had sliced up mm-hmm. and into strips and then rearranged. Yes. And those were, I thought that was really cool yeah. stuff. I and really that, liked that. That was stuck down in the basement. I don't know how they got those pieces down there. They were enormous. And if they had to come down the stairs, that's. Right, so my assumption was honestly that they were assembled down there. Possibly. But I could be wrong from that, but I felt like, you know, that the way it worked in the art collective is that they, you know, they kind of like they're renting space to do their art there. And then on first Fridays and other gallery times, they open it up and people can come in and see the art. But it was always produced there. I don't know that it always is, but definitely there's some some studio space in that building. But still, if you buy it, you got to get it out. Right. So. Yeah. It still raises the exact same question, I guess. So that actually brings up an interesting question I have for both of you. So I've had conversations before about art and size and what impact that has on the viewer because I like tiny things. It's just a thing that I like. I like things that are miniature. Always have. And so I've always had like a knee jerk. Well, just because it's big doesn't mean that it's great. But there's a tendency for... For people to really enjoy the enlarged artwork. So I wanted to, I love gigantic art. Okay. The bigger the better. Is you're Tell a gigantic person. Well, it makes me feel small. Mm. And it, when I, I don't get to feel small often, and feeling small is such a foreign uh, state to be in, and the Im- impressive scale of things. I love the Clifford still museum in Denver. Yeah. I go there whenever I can. It is. And then after that, I go over to Zepps and get a Nashville hot sandwich. Cause it's delicious. Been. They have a, oh, wait, no, I have been. they have a, uh, also a bon mi burger. Mm. Real good. It's probably delicious. Yeah. I, th- so, I think, I think we went after the, the Monet exhibit to Zepps to have sandwiches. Yeah. I've not been to Zepps yet, but I've heard good things about it. It was good. Yeah. We will have to make a trip down there. No, you know and, me. I'm always up for food, but um, the Clifford still museum, giant rooms, single piece at the end of the, it, just going in there and listening to the sound that isn't happening and the murmurs of somebody in a separate room and just getting to, do you remember when they moved it? The scale. Was it the Clifford Still Museum the one they moved? No, they moved um, uh, the Kirkland. The Kirkland Museum. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. That was an amazing. I remember that because I was there. I was watching them drive this entire, not to go off on a tangent. I remember watching this drive this building down 13th Avenue when they moved the building. They moved the museum from one place to, from one location to another. And so they closed 13th Ave in Denver from roughly York all the way to Broadway and very slowly moved this building down the middle of the road and they would run ahead of it and move the telephone lines and the power lines, let it go by and then put them back. That's fantastic. It that, was, is, that is so cool. I was eating. We had gone to go eat lunch at uh, City O City, and which also I love that restaurant. But and happened to basically because City O City, there's always a wait for a table. Getting in the process of waiting for our table, getting to experience this entire moving of a building, which is not something you get to see very often. No, no, that is that is incredible. Yeah. The, 
for those of, of, of the listeners that do not live in the Denver area or maybe haven't heard of the Kirkland, it's an incredible museum all built around um, Vance Kirkland's work and collection, and it has, it has preserved his studio space and how he worked, which he used to work suspended over his artwork, which creates this amazing effect because he can create these drops of paint that are perfectly right. round. And, and his work I, I, is some of my favorite. Talking about scale, that stuff's just gorgeous and large and for me evokes the universe and it's like NASA Hubble pictures but artwork and oh, gorgeous. But anyway, so scale. That, that, that makes sense. I am a tiny person. I might like tiny things because then I get to feel big. Mm-hmm. But, I think uh, that I think that makes sense. <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't I didn't really appreciate that scale could really be a super enjoyable part of my art experience until I started paying more attention to three dimensional art sculptures. So very very large sculptures I find more enjoyable than maybe say you know a canvas that covers an entire wall. Of right. course I've you know grown in that appreciation as well but it was just when as a young person I was like why is this why is this the thing why do I why do I feel pressured as an artist to create something huge like I don't that wasn't what I wanted to do and so it it it, I didn't understand it I didn't understand the the enjoyment that came out of it so when I was when I was doing art more traditionally um, I worked as as an installation artist often and I was inspired by artists like Sandy Kuglin, who were also installation artists. And they did some larger spaces, but my art focused on setting, setting a scene in a room that transports people to a different place. Mm. Just oh, completely. So, you know, I would build tunnels that you where you would, it was designed where you would come out of it and be at a different height. You, I would actually raise the floor. While so we I'm, were I'm picturing, it. I've never been to Malwolf, um, but I'm picturing something like that in the, your, where the art piece is in the, like the entire room is the piece of art. Yeah, there's a thing in Japan that I think is the closest to what I envisioned the future of installation art to be. And it was... I know you want to Google it, and I do not have a name for it. Oh my gosh, I want to see it so bad. Um, <laughs> the future—I believe this is the future of art installation. What is it? Uh, I want to see that now. I will. That will be my homework for next time. Okay. I will figure out what that that is because it is escaping me at this moment. That would be that would be great. Um, but I will share it with you guys uh, ne- in the next episode. So, any listeners that have like experience with whatever it is that that Matt is talking about and believe they know, they should write in. Call in. It, it is a combination of uh, real-time renderings uh, projected onto physical objects that oh, you can okay. interact with. I I've, think I've seen that. It's it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, I, I feel like there's there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in well all over the world, but I've, I've definitely seen some examples of something similar. But that's what I was playing with was projections mm. when I was doing it, which was... Uh, uh, 20 years ago now. 
almost 20, 15, 20 years ago. Um, yeah, and the technology is and way more supportive of that now. Absolutely. The kinds of projectors I had to have mm-hmm. were enormous. enormous and hot loud. and loud and ridiculous. And now and you can get them in like little the size of soda cans. Right. And, and they probably burned out, you know, had constant problems. Basically. And uh, in order to get the sound to fill a room, I had to have giant speakers and now you need to put a couple sonos in yeah. in a piece and job's done and it's done and yeah kids these days have it so easy <laughs> yeah. i'm joking oh i'm joking i'm joking the tech, you know ad- being adaptable is the skill you learn and when things get easier you get to solve better problems so yep um we don't have to we don't have to solve the how do we make speakers little problem we get to solve the how do we make the art what we want right. better problem right. that that would be something incredible to see in the denver area is more and of course we are going to get another meow wolf location here so we'll see what that's going to be like but it would be very cool to see some more um interactive pieces some more um pieces that take advantage of that technology i you see it every once in a while at the denver art museum but it just doesn't seem to be as prevalent as maybe places in in right. Japan um, well, and it, elsewhere in, in the U.S. Mostly what it was when I saw it was, I was like, I think that's the, that is what I think the natural conclusion of what I was trajecting towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what I think that would have ended up as. Yeah. And so it's, it's exciting to see that. Like when you um, just see where you thought things would go, yeah. it's, it's an exciting thing because you go, oh, that's, that's what it would have been. If if I yeah. kept going, and that doesn't always happen, so when you get to see that, it's it's interesting. So did we end up anywhere else after that, or did we just eat and go home? Uh, <laughs> well, we ate. We ate. We went to the art collective. Okay. And then we went. No. Yes, art collective was after food. Irrelevant. Did we but, go to anywhere uh, else besides the art society? I, I feel like we we, just we walked several more blocks and we were out of time. Okay, I, I, think, I think we started realizing that we had we had taken our time with dinner and we had started late and everything was closed. Yes, but we ate at El Noa Noa. Yes, which is a fun Mexican restaurant on South, uh, not South uh, Santa Fe, but Santa Fe. Yeah, mm-hmm. Santa Fe and Seventh. Something something along those lines. You know what? So El Noa Noa is. Better not on a first Friday because during the art walk time, they have a much more limited menu. True. But at the same time, like if you, the art walk happens around when you probably want to be eating and your options are limited. It's one of the places that can actually accommodate a large crowd. Yes. I wasn't saying it's not. I'm just saying that it's, it's a good restaurant. It's better. When, first when it's not first Friday, because they have a better menu. For me, I thought the guacamole was delicious. The guacamole yeah. was. The guacamole was, was very good. It was fluffy and buttery and yeah, very, I, very good. That's one of those, like, shake the chef, tell me your secret. Like, I don't ever, I've never made guacamole this good. What witchcraft did you use? Use a fork, probably, is the answer. Something silly. Like, like we don't think, we, we want to use, like, Lies. a special whip tool of some kind. I don't know. He made it with love. I mean, there's probably some love involved. So, that was our <laughs> adventures in art. In art on a first Friday in Denver, which I would say two thumbs up. 
Absolutely. Don't, don't interact with that weird drunk guy that I interacted with. <laughs> but other than that, two thumbs up. Guys, and, oh. Please. I was just going to say, it would be, it's too bad that we couldn't like split ourselves and go experience the first Friday at like Rhino and at some of the other galleries that exist in the Denver area. Because those are also excellent places to, to experience the art. Yeah. Anyway, you were going to say, Aaron. I was going to say, I also give it two thumbs up. I always have a great time at the Art Walk. Um, it's one of those things that I, I always struggle with wanting to inject more culture into my life. And whether I, I love theater, I love art. And when I get a chance to go partake in it, it's wonderful. I just don't get to do it enough. Wicked lottery, wicked lottery. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I, so, I'm the unluckiest so, person. So I all I do the, I, I, is Wicked coming again? I don't know. Okay. I just I've done the Wicked lottery I, a couple times. I, it's such I, a good time. Yeah, I, I love like so for people who don't know, the best way to see any Broadway show that comes to Colorado is two hours. So like for example, when Book of Mormon was in town and when Wicked Wicked was in town, I've done this for just about every great play that I've gotten a chance to see you show up two hours before the show starts so it's a 7 p.m. show it's at 5 o'clock they do a lottery where for half an hour anybody who shows up can put your name into a hat and then they will draw usually 10 tickets well 10 names each person can get up to two tickets for $25 a ticket so you go see a show and they're good seats like when I last one we saw was I think it was Wicked, and I took Robin, and we had we were literally front row, just off to one side, a little bit, and we paid twenty five dollars a ticket. Yeah, it's a it's it a is good time. fabulous, and it's so hard to get you know Book of Mormon tickets or these things normally. It makes it, and it's also fun. So you go there, you get a cocktail. I schmooze with people I wouldn't normally get a chance to talk to, and then. You know, hope, and you, you cheer each other on when it's time to try and get the lottery ticket and try and win, and you you excited, and then you win. It's great. So if, speaking of culture, um, if either of you have time, I think that you should check out SpongeBob the Musical because I have to know what that's like. I'm not sure I have that kind of patience. I There's a picture of a very sparkly lit up pineapple on it, and... Uh, Is it playing in Denver? Yes, tomorrow. <laughs> I can't do tomorrow. I can't do tomorrow either. I have to work. Um, also, Saturday. Also... How much are tickets? Sunday. I don't know. I just want to live vicariously through you guys. I think if one of our listeners chooses to go see SpongeBob the Musical... You should tell us all about it. We yes. want to hear all about it. That's the listener's homework. <laughs> So what else do we have that we've not covered? Uh, we don't have, what do we got for homework for next week? Homework for next week. Not, not week, next episode. <laughs> Apparently we need a week to get our stuff together. Um, so music, we want to listen to. Yes, I have a recommendation. Let's hear it. It is Future Islands Singles, that album. That's excellent. I will. That is Put it on my list. Sam Herring and those guys. From, I think it's Baltimore. Whatever you say will be more than I know. I will check. I think it's Baltimore. Didn't you also suggest Baltimore, Maryland? Yep. Uh, Mastercraft. That was specifically yeah, that was, so that I could. Go that right. was specifically a running album. Oh, that's right. So, so got to get your cardio you in. Yeah. Check out Mastercraft, MSTR, KRFT, uh, Fist of God, and uh, 
But for next week, next episode. Future Island singles. Future, Future Island singles. singles. Yep. And then we have another kind of even more homeworky kind of assignment. So you guys ready to do a science experiment? Absolutely. Sweet. So science experiment of our choice. Sure. Excellent. And uh, don't try this at home. Don't do anything dangerous, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Or if you do something dangerous, we don't want to know about it. Yeah, exactly. So listeners playing along, do a science experiment. No volcanoes unless you do something that's awesome and a twist on the volcano. Ramp it up. Ramp up the volcano. Okay. Um, <laughs> Aaron is is plotting. I was just say, I was I was commenting earlier before we were on before we were recording that I have never you know as a child you do the science fairs at school and every television show when I was a kid there was always the volcano that explodes and gets pink goo all over the classroom and it was always very exciting and I always wanted to make a volcano and my mother because she's my mother did not allow me to ever make the volcano this is also the woman that also never let me have crayons as a child because she knew I would draw on the walls <laughs> so and she was right but so I never I never had the joy of crayons Aww. and by the way she will deny that fact but it is true and my sister will confirm it but that's a different story <laughs> I have proof yet uh, so I I was really lucky as a kid I had a plastic volcano that was, I don't know, maybe the size of, of two hands. Oh, it wasn't paper mache? No, I had a plastic volcano that you could use over and over again, and it came with, like, a dinosaur, little plastic dinosaurs, so I could recreate a volcano anytime I wanted to. That seems... It was tons of fun. It does seem like tons of fun. Yeah. I feel like part of the joy of a volcano, though, is doing the whole paper mache volcano with the hole in the top. No, no. And, then, little... like, and then, like, as it goes off, going, no! And like squashing the dinosaurs and well that's the thing like I could have a repeat apocalypse over and over again like I can see the value of that yeah and then yes. they storm through it and then these these dinosaurs can live in lava whose so, job was it to clean up the volcano mess me okay so I think the next evolution of the baking soda and vinegar volcano is the elephant toothpaste elephant toothpaste yep so, but I feel like we, all three of us need to be doing a different science experiment. Oh. Right? Or are we getting together to do this? Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Um, I've got an ambient mic. We can just record the room. All right. Interesting. But we need to find a location. We've all got. Yeah. Who, who's going to have something goo, some goo all over their ceiling? Not me. My basement's unfinished. <laughs> Also, there's uh, we, outdoors. We could do it outside. Was the the <laughs> next thing? That's more. That's more intelligent. Okay, I like that. So no goo on the walls. Let's so there the are various elephant toothpaste recipes, but they mostly have to deal with, um, I believe, hydrogen peroxide and dish soap and dry yeast. So those are all things I have in my house. Exciting. Yeah. We are equipped. So, Google elephant toothpaste. Mm-hmm. And then uh, do that at home and apologize to the rest of your family in advance, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Don't make a mess. Inside. <laughs> All right. So final note of the, uh, the cast, um, our vocabulary of the day, vocabulary word of the day. Um, I will 
absolutely butcher the pronunciation because it's a Scottish word, and I can't do Scottish accents. So don't do a Scottish accent. Just pronounce the word then. Yeah, don't like be offensive. Just say it. What? Oh. Just. What do you take me for? <laughs> uh, so the word is kakenny. Kakenny. C a apostrophe c a n n y, and it is a deliberate reduction of working speed. I thought we were production. supposed to. Fig- I thought we were supposed to. Oh, guess I that- ruined it. So for those listening at home, Anna wah, was supposed wah. to tell us the word, and then Matt and I were supposed to guess what it meant by asking her questions like using a sentence and blah blah blah. I didn't know any of this. This yes. is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> It was a good idea that I had <laughs> that I ruined. But anyway, Anna, please Sorry. Uh, please enlighten us. Okay. So it is a deliberate reduction of working speed and production by workers to express their discontent. Aww. So it's like a... Basically, it's a work slowdown. Yeah, it's a work slowdown. I would have never guessed that, so that's I, good. I'm not sure how you would have used that in a sentence, but you would have found a way. I would have tried. Yes. <laughs> that's all. So it's essentially, it's like a, it's like a slowdown instead of a strike. Right, but you, so you're not being disobedient. You're not not doing your job. He's being inefficient. Yeah. Yes, just, it's. I mean, or or you're just following it to the exact letter of the law, but you're not. There's a word for that in. Uh, oh, there's a word for that that means uh, explicitly obedient to the absolute letter of the the. Uh, I can't remember it. No, I yes. I, I used it recently to sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'd like to be as smart as I think I like to sound. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the goal. It, it's, it's aspirational vocabulary. Well, then you have very specific homework for you to do. Is to find that word. Find yeah. that word. No. <laughs> it's an unsearchable term. <laughs> You've now got two homeworks. I believe in you. I've got two homeworks. To figure out that uh, art installation in Japan and uh, that, that word. one word I... That cat coffee. I interrupted in English Anna word. to... Blurred out, not an answer. <laughs> I'm so excited about this thing I almost know. Yeah, sorry about that. Also a good name for a podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited about that thing I almost know. And actually, it's a little it's wordy, terrible. but it's... Well, if we abbreviate it. I'm so excited. No. Or that thing I almost know. That's not bad. We're good at this. <laughs> Which is super good at this. So, again, if you have an idea for the name of our podcast or if you want to vote on well, the names we put out there in episode zero, please. We will 100% have a name by the time we get to episode three. This is episode three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So, <laughs> so by episode five, we will have a name for the podcast. We hope. We're... I'm going to keep working on linear time here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, tell your friends. Do science. Like, do art. Yeah. Have fun. Um, like, follow, and subscribe. Yes. And share with us ideas and anything you want us to cover, not cover. If you don't like the sound of my voice, please tell us whatever it is. Don't, don't tell me if you don't like the sound of my voice. I don't want to hear it. We can't, can't really change, change it. <laughs> Good point. But you can tell Aaron all you want. <laughs> Story of my life. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks everybody. Thank you. See you next time.